You are listening to the Evolution Exchange podcast, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders within the UK. I'm Ruth Pike. I help connect tech teams with contract tech talent. And today I am your host. Today I'm joined by a great panel to discuss working from home and how they keep their team motivated, engaged and prevent them from burning out. Before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work around the room with some introductions. So also what I'd like to know is who you are, what you do and what it is you're passionate about. So Ibra, I'll let you go first. Yeah, of course. Um, okay, so my name's Ibra. Uh, I currently work as a technical director um, at a digital agency in Leeds called 26 Digital. Um, 26 Digital are essentially a full-scale digital marketing company. Um, they've got offices in Leeds, Manchester and London. Uh, core specialism as a business is is we specialize in building enterprise web solutions using content management systems such as Optimizely, Umbraco and Content. My role as technical director is threefold. Uh, I look after the day-to-day running of the development function, um, also at an operational level as well. Uh, I look after the overall technology vision and roadmap and I guess the last part is obviously why I'm here today is to help create a positive culture with the core focus being the people um, and their engagement within the business as well. Brilliant, thank you very much. Paul, over to you. Thank you. Um, So I'm Paul Alexander, I'm Head of uh, Quality Assurance at X-Design. We are also a digital agency, we are based in Edinburgh and Leeds, uh, with people dotted all over the country um, working remotely, uh, from the Isle of Man all the way up to the Western Isles of Scotland. Um, I am within my role, I am responsible for all things testing and all things quality. Um, my big passions are people and accessibility with inclusive design. Great, thank you very much for your lovely introduction. So now that we've established some context into the to the both of you, um, let's move on to the topic of focus. So everyone's here because we've got a passion in working from home and how you do keep your team engaged and prevent them from burning out. So I do have a couple of questions here to cover. So I'm going to work around the room. Um, if you're happy to do so, I'll pose the question, then go to yourselves and, and basically get your take on that question. Um, so the first one, that I'm going to start with is yourself Paul and it's following up on the theme of the pandemic how do you build and maintain trust while working from home whether that's within a team or whether it's with your seniors so the thing for me I to bring a bit of context I actually started in this role on the Monday and we we're in a full national lockdown on the Friday so no. I came in and inherited a team and then was tasked with building a team um, in the initial stages of that was completely remote. So you have that sort of initial uncertainty um, about what's going on in the world, what's going on in terms of people's jobs, um, that I'm sure everybody was in a similar boat when we first, when this first started, when yeah. when people, there was a freeze on spending and as digital agencies, the lifeblood of that is our clients, yeah. <laughs> clients looking to, to spend. Um, so I think one of the big things uh, for myself and for for us was just being candid um just making sure that the, that we're being transparent with things because the last thing you want if you've got that physical isolation is having any ambiguity around things making sure that you set things right um you know we've my big thing that i wanted to do initially was i needed to create sort of emotional trust between myself 
in the, the line reports uh, that I would inherited and obviously with the other departments that we would work with because that's a key relationship as well you can't you can't go into conversations and not create that that trust beforehand um, a big part of that for me was setting up meetings with everybody individually as you would do out with the one-to-ones as well just to understand them see how they're getting on but also opening channels during the day so I set up a, a meeting at one o'clock every day and it was just, it wasn't a mandatory meeting. It was just for people to turn up and have a touch point and to have a chat. And as you start to go through the days and the weeks and you show that little bit of vulnerability because you you are having that honesty and transparency and they can relate to you and things like that, you then, it layers over time. It's not something that happens straight away. So for me, it was all very small things, but over a, over a period of time sort of layered things up to try and bring people to to, to that layer that level so you think with starting in the pandemic you basically found so so, sort of learn from how you were treated and then that was it then you were able to then sympathize with maybe any new starters in the pandemic as well that you had to deal with oh there'll definitely be an element of that yeah i think well it was new ground for everybody so when i started um, nobody knew how to really handle this and we didn't know how it was going to be handled um, I think I think the, the companies that probably did the best the best job in terms of looking after the staff are the, I know it's kind of cheesy to talk about people first approach, but to sort of deal with concerns of people sort of taking into that. And uh, as you rightly point out, I think the the way I was welcomed in and the way conversations happened uh, elsewhere for myself set a good tone and it allowed me to then use that as a platform to to build that trust around the rest of the business. Brilliant, thank you. And Ibra, what was your experience with the whole pandemic and, and how did you build and maintain that trust with your team? Um, I think for me, um, when the pandemic hit, I was actually at a different company and, and, and uh, it was it was challenging because nobody knew that it was possible to work from home for like five days a week. It was, you know, it was unheard of. Um, and so, so the policies were changing in terms of where, you know, obviously how you could work or where you could work. But I guess for me, the biggest thing that I found that worked is, is, is the obvious, which was obviously communication and, and, and making sure that as a team, we were communicating effectively. So there are obviously different ways of doing this, but I guess the, the the one the one aspect that I found that did really help was just finding time to be together. So you know, so for example, if you were setting up meetings, obviously as mentioned just then, where have a drop-in session um, every day at the same time where people can just jump on a Zoom call or a Teams call, etc., um, and just see each other and talk to each other and just look at obviously each other's body language, etc., because that you know that was helping. So I guess the as well as that, I think that it, it was it was it was also quite easy for managers to try and then micromanage. So um, because you're not, you can't have those moments where you're in the office and just walk over to someone's desk and just check in to see how they're doing. I think a lot of people, I found a lot of people were um, checking in constantly, but basically micromanaging. So I guess not doing that was important because ultimately it would mean that we're, 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 you know, we're basically not establishing trust within our employee, you know, within the teams. Um, I think other bits as well, um, you know, having having a clear um, structure in terms of what the expectations were for working from home. So, um, you know, start times, end times, being very flexible and that kind of thing, encouraging regular breaks um, and ultimately just listening, you know, being a good manager and listening to your teams and really trying to get as much face time as possible uh, was quite important in my experience. 
Yeah. And in terms of um, obviously making sure that everything's flexible, how did you make sure that there was a healthy limit on that? Because obviously when people aren't there. Yeah, I think so. I think for me, it was it was it was about encouragement. I think encouragement and consistent messaging was key. So um, obviously we can't control what people do at home. um, But what what we can do as managers and businesses is to encourage it. So, you know, taking regular breaks, really trying to promote, um, you know, um, kind of initiatives. So, for example, when the pandemic hit and we were in lockdown, uh, one of the things that we started to do, not just at a company level or organization level, but at a team level as well, is um, did like remote walking. It sounds weird, but it was basically (laughs) you would, you know, you would basically join um, a call and then go on a walk together but yeah. remotely and then you could actually track people's achievements and that kind of thing and it was just it was it was it was strange because we were you know that wasn't the norm but it was just looking at activities that you could do remotely sometimes we just all get together on a call and just get some food in that was all kind of um paid for by the business and then we would just eat and talk uh, and and it was weird it was like you know normally you wouldn't do that but it was because everyone was sat at home their office was there you know in their house and then they were living in their house. So it was it was just difficult to try and break away from that. So I guess there were just different things that we were doing uh, to try and promote a healthy um, work-life balance, mm-hmm. so to speak. I mean, also just 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 not, um, just kind of being understanding in the sense of start times as well. So, if, you know, for example, people were, um, you know, if they were feeling unwell, if they were feeling under the weather, a lot of people did suffer from mental health in terms of just having to stay at home um it's you know kind of encouraging regular breaks and um and maybe starting late or finishing early um you know that kind of thing that worked well as well brilliant i who was i speaking to the other day i hope it wasn't one of you guys um where they said you were booking meetings in um, but it was a similar thing to what you were saying that that instead of the meeting on teams it'd be a phone call meeting and you'd go and grab a coffee or obviously you wouldn't be together but it would be a chat with a coffee Mm-hmm. And that and the company would then pay for the coffee so that you can both just talk, have a coffee, but it's still technically a meeting. Um, and it just makes it makes it look more so like a just a normal chat to get a bit of fresh air instead of a face to face on Teams. Because I think, do you agree that at the beginning of the lockdown with your teams, it was just constant. It wasn't just a, a two minute chat, say making a coffee. You had to book in Teams chats, mm-hmm. and then yeah, yeah. then it after and then all of a sudden your whole day is full of 30 yeah. minute team chats yeah i i definitely found that all of my days were being consumed by and this isn't a problem it was just that is obviously how the world was changing um but all of my day was just literally spending speaking to people um because rather than having those um you know water cooler moments where you speak for two minutes and you get your answer it was more we were having to spend longer trying to speak because you're not in the office uh, so yeah, I definitely found that I was spending a lot more time online, but that was fine. It was it was it was you know it was necessary um, at the time, yeah. I guess. Yeah, Paul, does it, did you find that that was quite similar to the way that it was with with for yourself as well? Yeah, I I think my biggest thing was you talk about the booking of meetings and things like that. It was the actual the the logistics of trying to put those jigsaw pieces together, um, where you find that time that that will suit you all. Um, talking about flexibility within the day, I've got two kids and my wife was, was at home having, to, my wife was a teacher and she's having to work at home teaching classes um, while my two kids who are now seven and ten, but at the start of this, would have, my, my youngest was just in prim, starting primary one 
and my daughter my daughter would have been sort of well, she was in primary three um so we had five we had a five-year-old and an eight-year-old in the house that was that were needing their schoolwork done they were needing to be taken out to places because they weren't quite old enough to be able to go off and do different things themselves and obviously interacting with other kids was a was a no-no uh, <laughs> at times because you you oh, know yeah. the next door neighbours we had a chalk line down the driveway and they used <laughs> to set up they played camping they used to set up campsites on either side of the line and stuff it was crazy but that's funny <laughs> what you'd then have to do with those different things during the days you'd have to adapt you'd have to get you would do little bits here and there that weren't necessarily during the traditional nine to five not necessarily in terms of the meetings because you have to be respectful of other people's time but you know what i mean so it was the logistical side of that because other people would have children themselves they'd have lives of their own that they were needing to lead and giving people that flexibility within the day and being able to trust them to to still be able to do everything uh, became a became a, a big thing i think it has become a lot more normalized to have that flex within the day you know yeah. um, prior to the pandemic people spoke about flexible working and that generally meant well if you've got to drop the kids off in the morning you could start at 10 and that was how flexible it was um whereas nowadays like for myself and this is something i openly say to my line reports um is that i do the school run every morning i'll take my son to school and i'll come back i'll go and pick him up at quarter past three and I'll do homework with them till four. And then yeah. I'll just do little bits extra elsewhere just to sort of compensate that out, just to make sure I'm I'm getting my stuff done. Um, but I think it, I think that was a key conversation to have with my guys so they knew that that was acceptable as well, because there was a lot of anxiety around, oh, I've got to make sure I look productive. If somebody's in the office, you can see what they're doing. Some people, when they were working from home, had that panic where they're like, I've got to I've got to make sure I look productive because you know um, nobody can see me you know, there's some people even who went that way with it so so yeah I think it was more the uh the the, the diary jigsaw that was the biggest the biggest uh, the biggest issue while still trying to maintain that flexibility for people yeah definitely and then going on to obviously the flexibility and stuff like that and um, we'll move on to the next question um, and this is Ibra's question. And you said mental health was a huge challenge during various COVID lockdowns and beyond. What measures have you put in place to help this whilst your team works from home? So, yeah, Ibra, we'll start with yourself because it was your question. Yeah, that's fine. So so yeah. I guess I mean, a lot of this has already been discussed, but I think, yeah. I think that, the, the, you know, a lot of what we're talking about kind of overlaps. But um, just in terms of you know what Paul said, I couldn't I couldn't agree more that that. The trust element was key. You know, mental health shows up in different forms, right? And it's, it, it, you know, just the fact that we'd have to homeschool. You know, I've got three daughters and it was very, very challenging because each of them, different ages, um, had uh, different types of homework to do and everything was being done from home. Schools, schools were closed. Fitting that in around work was a challenge. And I think that um, that in itself was, you know, uh, made me quite anxious because I was thinking, hold on, I've got to fit this in. You know, my wife works in the NHS, so she was obviously needed there. So it was a lot was on me, and 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 I just felt as though, well, you know, I had the backing of you know the business, and I think that 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 trust was there in being flexible. If you need to start at ten because you want to do an hour in the morning of homeschooling, and then you have a few meetings, and you then just you know, and then you um, do the rest of the work with the other two kids from three till five and then make up time elsewhere um that was fine and it was accepted because that's just the, that's just the way that things were um so that was more on a personal level and i think other people were in the same situation but then there was also people who were like you know who were living on their own um in an apartment 
um, and their their kind of um, get out was going into the office, going into the office, yeah. meeting people and socialising and that kind of thing. That is what they were doing to get out. And that was taken away from them all of a sudden. And then it was like, hold on, how do we solve this problem? So um, I guess that was quite difficult. And in some ways it was it was really hard to try and fix that problem because it was, you know, it's not something that you can just fix. Um, but I guess from my side, um, a lot of FaceTime was needed, initiatives in terms of, you know, what I was talking about earlier in terms of team building exercises, et cetera, was key. Um, and also just being understanding and listening, you know, just checking in, just checking in. And I guess just um, allowing time to just have lots of team meetings um, and also really trying to be on top of communication when it came to um, wins. So, for example, achievements, really making a big deal about it, because normally if someone did something, I don't know, they did a release or, you know, they passed some kind of certification, um, rather than it just being, um, you know, kind of like a quick team stand-up, we'd make it a very, you know, a company-wide thing because yeah. it was just how can we try and, you know, kind of get people to just feel a little bit more satisfied in what they're doing. Um, so those are just, yeah, a few things that I experienced in my time. Yeah, brilliant. How about yourself then, Paul, in terms of like the mental health to your to your staff what measures should you pay, take place maybe with the culture or like team building and stuff like that can you give okay. us any examples there so similarly we had sort of social events and things like that we made sure that we had we had quizzes we had murder mystery nights you know and um, people would get dressed up and get into character and you would have everybody in a different window and you try and figure out who's who okay. um we had with company meals similarly you know where where people would would order the food and it'd be expense to the business and we could all sit and have a company lunch. Um, as things as things started to sort of ease off a little bit, I started going to see people who were local to me. Um, so I was lucky in, the, in those initial phases and stages. Pretty much all of my direct reports and things like that were all within within say a 15 mile radius or something like that so I used to go and buy coffee and meet them at a park close to their house and we'd go for a walk in the park and discuss how things were going um, it would be an agendaless sort of meeting it would be you know opening up with something along the lines of what's on your mind and just letting them talk and sort of take those things forward um, identifying people who potentially might be in a vulnerable situation you know people who live on their own People who maybe, as we sort of touched on, just because you've got a house full of people doesn't mean it's an easy experience. Yeah. You know, having the family around and stuff, you need that support as well. So um, we create a lot of social communities via Slack. Um, we used sort of custom um, custom statuses as well, sort of mandating that you know that we will were allowances for people to go and exercise during the day. And we okay. had one. We had a little a little status icon that could go in for that. We had a status icon for when you're going for lunch, you know, various different ones for various different things. If you needed just if you just needed a break, you needed to take time away. There was things for that too. Um, so it was all it was as I say nothing nothing revolutionary, nothing nothing too different different to what we've heard there. I think it was all just about making sure that that people knew that you cared. There was a lot mm -hmm. of active listening going on. I think that those skills got honed. You, you know you you would remember things and even just remembering small details and then bringing them up in conversation later in the week so that people yeah. know that you are listening it means that they feel you know they feel that it's uh yeah I've, 
that would be what I would say. Yeah, that's really good as well because obviously it's it going like to the quick wins or for some for you to relay something back to somebody, say after a week's time, it does make them feel like the first point that they can trust in you and they feel okay, I'm actually part of this team, so it makes them feel a lot more worthy. Mm. Um, and, and then obviously want to work a lot more. Um, in terms of like people that worked on their own and stuff like that, did you ever come across people working too many hours? And then how did you approach that setting? Yeah, so it did happen a couple of times. Um, the conversations, the conversations sort of generally opened up with me just trying to understand why. Mm-hmm. Is it a work thing or is it a social thing? Is it because they've got nothing else to do? Mm-hmm in their mind and they might as well just work extra and things like that because that's not good either yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um obviously if it's a work thing and they've got too much work on that's a different scenario and we we, we deal with that <laughs> accordingly just as we would do with any other um but for me the the advice i was trying to give people is find find a physical disconnect from the working day set clear parameters for it and you know for me it was for a while i was working in my bedroom but I realised that when I went to bed, it was the I, I, would, I would see the workstation and I would start thinking, right, tomorrow. And before yeah. I know it was two in the morning and I've already planned out my day. I'd <laughs> wake up, first thing I see in the morning is my workstation. So first thing in the morning, last thing at night, it keeps you awake because you're thinking different things. So I moved into the attic. <laughs> and the, the, the nice byproduct of that is the fact that it's not the most palatable place to sit. So I don't want to sit here for any longer than I have to. Um, <laughs> But when I close my laptop for the when I close my laptop, that is my that is my physical that's me physically moving into commute mode. Yeah. Because that was the thing I always missed, and I found that other people missed as well is that decompression between finishing work and going to home life. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that was the big problem with people working later is that they because they didn't have that oh the lights are going off in the office I need to go home sort of moment they would have to they struggled with that so I think. One of the things that I found that helps people was saying to them, have a time that you, that is the latest you're going to stop, switch off the laptop and go for a walk. Mm-hmm. Because it's that transitional, it's a physical transition. You go outside, you go away from, from where you are and you come back. And it's almost sort of a, a shortened sort of synthetic commute, so to speak. If yeah. you go and do that, then you've gone and you can have that disconnect from the from work and you can sort of decompress and then come back to home being home rather than just sitting at a workstation all day. Um, no, I think, you know, it came down to routine, didn't it? It was it was it was like normally your routine was wake up, eat something, sit on a train or, you know, tram and then get into the office. Right. That was like psychologically in your mind, you're thinking, I've got to go to work. I've got to get up and physically do something. Yeah. Whereas pandemic hit lockdown and then you get up get ready and you sit at your desk that's it and literally you're going from one room to the other if not you're walking across the room to your desk and that's it and I think that was that was the big one for me because it was just crazy and I think you then you were forced to try and build a different routine so as you've just said it was like you know lunchtime for example go for an hour's walk clear your head go somewhere scenic so you just feel as though you've you've seen something that's not your desk or your bedroom because my office was well my desk was in my bedroom as well and I couldn't do it I was like like this is just I I sleep in this room and then I'm working in this room in sometimes, um, so at sometimes I was eating in the same room as well because it was obviously work would get so busy that I was doing. So I, what I was doing is literally going against all the um, kind of 
you know, kind of all the lessons that I would try and push forward onto the team. I wasn't doing that. So it was it was just trying to break away from that thinking, hold on. So then in the end, um, I'm now in um, half baby room, half office, but it's away from kind of everywhere else. So I think that that really helps is breaking out of your where you normally spend most of your time. Um, and 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 definitely, you know, kind of creating some kind of a routine where you're going out for a walk or you're, you know, you're doing something else that's just outside of your home. Um, and especially, I think, you know, what you said earlier as well was like when when things did start easing a little bit and you could start beating. I think it was one person or two people in a in a circle of friends. I can't remember now, but um, that helped because anyone who was close to me, we would just meet up and go for a walk together. And then it started to psychologically it started to feel a bit better. So um, I, I just wanted to get your feedback on this or, or your insight onto this. So I've been looking and there's been so many companies now on LinkedIn urging staff and um, to go basically go back to the office because they feel like the innovation and, and the activity has been it, it has suffered due to people working from home. What, what do you think on this? Do you think that's true or do you think this is just people going back to being old fashioned in their old ways? What do you think on that? And you can go first. All right. Um, I think from, <laughs> from my side, from my side, I'd say it, I think we've gotten used to working from home, right? Yeah. That's the thing. We've gotten used to it. And although novelty wore off quite quickly because we wanted to get back into the office because we were in kind of at home so much. Personally, I don't think we may ever go back to a fully five day office week because because of the perks of just having that flexibility of working from home. You know, I'm a father. I'm quite active in school and all that kind of stuff. I think what helps and, and where there's some truth in what you're saying is, yes, creativity does take a hit because you're not physically in the same space. You can't do your whiteboard sessions. You can't have those strategic meetings where you're trying to define a roadmap or some kind of a, um, you know, a vision for clients. Um, maybe coming into the office on a needs to know basis. So, for example, if you've got a meeting with a client for three hours, go in for that three hour meeting and then come back home because mm-hmm. do, you need, do you really need to be in the office all day? And if you're going into the office, are you just going in to have a bunch of one-to-ones um, or are you going in just to work? If you're going in just to do what you were going to do at home anyway, then what's the point? Whereas if you're going in for something valuable and useful, like checking in with your team, maybe a team outing, you know, so I'm a big advocate of that where I'll get the team into the office like every month, the entire development team, and then we'll go out for a curry in the evening. That's that's a nice, you know, like a good use of that time. And in the middle of all of that, I might have a couple of client meetings and then um, some in-person strategy meetings, for example. So I would say it, I would only go into the office if it made sense. And I'd probably encourage the team to do the same thing. Yeah, brilliant. What, what do you think, Paul, in terms of returning to the office? Do you think it is more beneficial? So we we have uh, we've we told our staff that we are going to remain remote first. Okay. The office is there if you need it, um, but we are not we are not opening we're not opening up offices that will ha- that will be able to see everyone. So if everyone turned up on the same day, <laughs> it's not going to happen. Um, the reason why we've gone down that route is because we've we've proven that we can work well. Um, we've kind of, uh, as we sort of mentioned about the whiteboard sessions and stuff, we've we've transitioned into using uh, things like Miro boards and stuff like that to try and try and simulate that um again the office space is there if you need to have face-to-face things if you you know uh, it's nice to see people and going in occasionally is is great um but as as sort of to echo the the earlier point there's no point in being there for the sake of being there Mm -hmm. unless you're getting some sort of benefit of it a big 
a big thing for me in general is is about is finding value adds and where are you finding additional value is it from a personal point of view if going into the office makes you feel good then great go and do it yeah. if you if you're like myself and for the first time in years you're getting to do the school run you're getting to do homework and stuff with the kids and oh. you're still managing to work then you know i'm going to strike that balance where I'll, I'll go into the office when i need to um there will be strategy days where i'll go into the office there'll be days like tomorrow uh, as part of our graduate scheme i'm doing a i'm doing something with i'm doing a session with the graduates on risk storming that's best served face to face that's a personal thing that's about investing in people you want to be there if they're going to be there you want to be there to make sure you can deliver that session the best way it'll be possible um but i'll be coming home in time to pick up my son yeah you know um so for me i think the i think without getting too deep into it i think there are certain companies in certain industries that are pushing people back into the office because it serves a different purpose you know if you look at financial institutions their property funds are locked in in office space and if that office space is sitting empty that property fund takes a tanking so they mm. need to make sure that that's happening so you'll see banks pushing people back into the office for that reason mm -hmm. um you'll you'll see you'll see other companies that are that have not adapted well that will be pushing people back into the office because they weren't able to pivot in the right direction when they went through the pandemic yeah. I've, I've got i've got some friends that live down south and they are struggling with that because um one of them is being told that if they don't go back into the office full time there's not going to be a job and <sighs> there's there's nothing about that job that she couldn't do from home um it's i think as i say i think the i think the two factors are the two factors for people being pushed back into the office are financial for mm -hmm. some people both are financial but one's for one's for gain and the other one's for the fact that they didn't adapt well enough within within the pandemic to sort of take mm -hmm. it forward mm -hmm. um and i think if you did the right things and had the right mechanisms and able to do it then you can make this work really well then moving back to a, to a, a five-day office week isn't isn't necessary no no and there has been a lot of uproar, really, hasn't there, on, on LinkedIn and stuff like that, where it's really getting people's backs up now, um, because they they just it's it's one of those it all the trust that you've built, say in the pandemic, of these people working from home, yeah. But now you're to saying, well, we want you to come and work because we need to see what you're doing. Well, that trust is then lost, literally yeah. at the drop of it's literally within a conversation, and um, which has taken what two years to to speak to someone again. So. It is a shame, but hopefully, obviously, people do see that there's a pushback and that the flexibility does still remain um, off topic. But I'm really put off because the thunder and lightning started. <laughs> and I don't know if you can hear it now, but it's, uh, I know it's got nothing to do with this podcast, oh. but it's it's loud. So I apologise if you, anyone can hear that in the background. No, it's raining cats and dogs. <laughs> I hadn't noticed. <laughs> no, you might do now. Um, but yeah, I think it, 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 you've got really good points in terms of what you think, um, what, how you think it should be. And obviously it's the communication is probably the biggest thing now, isn't it? Communication, but also being approachable. And mm -hmm. I, find, I find that that's that that's probably one of the biggest challenges for team members is to actually approach you with their issues. Um, have you have you ever come across anybody like that where you, where you've realised maybe a bit further down learned that it was maybe due to they didn't want to approach? Is that something that's ever come across? I've encountered it to an extent. Um, I don't think it was necessarily 
I don't think it would have mattered whether it was me or anybody else. Yeah. I think it was it was a it was a self confidence thing, mm-hmm. and the more again sort of mentioned earlier on about showing a bit of vulnerability and things like that, people understanding that they're not alone, they're not mm-hmm. the only one that feels that way, and that allows them to open up. And then the more they do, the more they continue to do so. Um, as you say, it is quite tricky to identify. Some people have yeah. really good poker faces, <laughs> um, <laughs> but with the active with active listen with the active listening piece and picking up on subtle social cues there'll be certain parts that you can pick up on and if you follow up on it without sort of pressing too hard Mm -hmm. then hopefully with the trust you've built you can then sort of bring those forward it's different people need different types of support yeah definitely yeah and did you find that obviously with working from home the only way to in a way have a face-to-face chat with somebody is via video um did you what what object what objections did you have to maybe people not just just necessarily not feeling comfortable putting their video on? We actually made it a company policy to, to make it, it on. to always have video on. Yeah. Um. The the only time people ever put their cameras off is if they've got poor Wi-Fi. Yeah. And they need to save save on save mm-hmm. on the bandwidth. Um, or if there is something going on and mm. the the reality is we we sort of said as a default we would like you to have your cameras on if you're not comfortable for any reason then obviously we're not going to force you but mm. that is our preference as a business yeah so that people can see and then if people weren't comfortable with having their cameras on then it's just a question you know it it's not a, an accusatory thing it's just like oh notice that you that you don't put your camera on in meetings is there any specific reason is there anything that we can do to help you know mm-hmm. is there anything we can you know help we you with change. or anything like that is there any changes that you need from our end um and you have that sort of conversation and you kind of have to take people at their word mm-hmm. as definitely. well yeah okay so, definitely yeah, what about yourself Abraham? yeah I'd, i would agree with that i think i think that for for me and this is this is this is a tricky one i think some people might disagree but I just feel as though if if you're in, if it's, for example, like what we call town hall meetings, where it's a full company getting together and the CEO is having a conversation or doing a presentation, then um, most people have their camera off because, you know, it's fine. You know, the CEO or the MD or someone in the exec board meet, you know, will you know will be talking about something about the business, about, you know, about progress, et cetera. Um, but if it's a sprint planning meeting where you need lots of engagement from everyone and, you need to see people's body language to see if they've understood what you've just said. Then it just makes sense to have your camera on. And, you know, I've had instances where people haven't got it on. And I think nine times out of 10 is those people. Again, it's it's what, what I found is that I have to then, or I'm seeing people having to repeat themselves just, just so that people understand it. It's weird because it's like, you're still, you know, yes, your camera's off, but it just creates that perception that you're, that you're not as engaged. Um, whereas if everyone's got the cameras on, you're having, you know, a, quite a collaborative session let's say you've got you know like a mural board up and you're doing an interactive session with sticky notes etc it's just useful having your camera on uh, so you can just see people um and just make sure that they're understanding everything as well um but yeah that's just what i've found some people just don't have it on and no matter how many times you say look it'd probably be better if you had the camera on uh won't put it on <laughs> that's yeah. just that's just no, that's fine as well yeah definitely lovely well i'm gonna um does anyone else want to add anything to that the only thing i would i would potentially add is i think it was easier for us early on because we were we only had about 45 people in the business yeah and then we've grown to 300 over the over about sort of two and a half years since then 
and that and I think because we were able to bed it in because we had such a small number when other people came in just because that was the way it was people kind of just went with it which was great Um, so that was that probably lessened the challenge would be what I would say yeah um is that you go from having a very small number of people to having a large number of people and it's already embedded culture by the time they get there but yeah No, but it is it is a really strange experience though, isn't it? So when you're having a video call and it's just like maybe a one on one and still the person hasn't got the the video on and it's yeah, it's, that, it's quite that, uncomfortable, that, isn't it? That's crazy. It's like yeah. know, I check in with my team all the time and what there's about thirty, forty of them and it's like right. And I, I always try and even though I don't like manage everyone, I, I always want to check in with everybody just because, you know, otherwise I'd never speak to them. And um Sometimes I'm on a call and the person will have the camera on and it, it, it's just weird because you, you, you know, you're talking to a blank screen with the name in the top left hand corner. It's like, mm-hmm. OK, so it just, yeah, for me, it's just much more of an engaging back and forth if you can see the person you're talking to. Um, but yeah, I guess I guess, you know, one thing I just wanted to add is just as managers, it was what, what I found is it was quite crucial for businesses to educate and train their managers in how to handle the whole situation because like I didn't know how to manage a team who were many of them were suffering from mental health or just challenges or there was you know there were communications issues and I had never experienced this kind of a you know a world issue right because it was obviously everywhere so um training was important and you know it was important obviously I was managing managers so it so whatever I was learning it, uh, I think it was quite crucial to to you know to lead by example and ensure that was kind of rippling down to the rest of the team because nobody knew the fix. Nobody had the you know a magic wand that they knew exactly what they needed to do and everything was going to be okay. Um, so it was it was a huge learning curve and I think to be honest, I think a lot of the agencies out there put the right investment in and 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 trained their teams up to make sure that they can manage this kind of stuff. So I think that was that was quite an important one. Huge learning yeah. curve, but yeah. It is. I think it just adds on to the skills, doesn't it? At the yeah. end of the day, it just adds on to your communication skills and, and basically your people skills to then yeah. continue to, to work at that at that level. So, yeah, it, yeah, it, it was a tough time, but I do think a lot of people got positive skills from it because of Absolutely. the way that they had to work. Yeah, if anyone uh, um, wasn't really good at softer skills, if that wasn't, you know, they definitely improved their softer skills <laughs> over the pandemic because that was literally all that they were a lot of what managers were spending their time doing yeah yeah definitely so I'll go on to um asking you what your advice is so um Paul I'll start with yourself what what advice would you give to somebody who is say struggling with with their team with managing their team when they're remote speak to speak to somebody you trust speak to a peer and get support um I mentioned earlier on about nobody being alone in terms of well-being and stuff like that but in terms of you know your your career as well there's going to be people who are having the same issues or going through the same issues as you and making sure you're talking about different things and communicating and looking for that that support um is key like we're all learning from the from the highest of ceos to the most junior of juniors we're all we're all learning every single day and it's about making sure that you have the, that sort of productive dialogue um, so if you're struggling with anything, whether it be within a team issue or anything else personal, it's always best to try and find someone you can speak to that you're comfortable with and just work these things through and try and find some solutions. And don't be afraid to fail either. 
if something goes wrong fail quickly reflect <laughs> upon it own it that's the big thing own it and then take it forward again um <laughs> don't be scared of that because i think that's also something that people struggle with so that's where you learn yeah 100 <laughs> yeah believe me <laughs> um if rest same to you what advice would you give to somebody who has got a team maybe struggling because they are war working remote what advice would you give to them um i would say as well as everything that paul just said um <laughs> the i guess don't overcomplicate it right it's it's you know we live in a world now where working remotely is normal it's the norm and the majority of people are spending most of their time working from home as opposed to not working from home um, so there's a general consensus that people probably do have a lot more of an understanding of how they need to work from home. Um, so individuals are, are probably more aware of it. But I guess the biggest thing, the most important thing that I would say is just stay connected, right? Stay connected with your team, um, you know, ensure that they've got the right level of support. Listen, uh, you know, don't make it about yourself, make it about them and mm-hmm. really try and just have a chat, just have a normal chat forget about work for a second. Tell me about what you're doing outside of work. Tell me what you're doing after work. Um, you know, how the family, you know, what, you know, what your plans on the weekend. Um, just getting a bit of buy-in and trust. Try and develop that trust with your team members. And then at least you've got some kind of alignment in terms of the, you know, that kind of back and forth. Um, so staying connected is, is, is key. And then just be as supportive as you can possibly be, you know, be flexible. Um, you know, if for example, you know, normal nine to five doesn't work. And if, you know, if they've, you know, if there's kids around and, a, you know, a different working pattern would help, then be open to that because at the end of the day, you're going to get the best out of them. And the the last thing I will say is definitely, definitely don't micromanage. Just have, have that trust, you know, yeah. trust the team. And as Paul said, let people make mistakes. Let them make mistakes. Let them pick themselves back up and, let, and you know, them learn from it. And and, and and along that journey, as a manager or managers, support them, um, yeah. you know, throughout that entire process. That's amazing. Thank you both so much. Um, we've covered a lot um it's in, in the time that we've had um with only two of you as well so i really do appreciate your time um and your in-depth insights into all the questions and and the maybe the quick fire questions that i didn't tell you i was going to ask um so thank you for um answering them as well and i also want to say for everyone that's listening this is the evolution exchange podcast thank you all for listening and um yeah check back for the next one